0: We have now come to our catechism lesson and we were continuing in our process of systematic theology and thought with the doctrine of the moral law. Last time I was here, I brought you an introduction into the chapter which is conditioned with our obedience. Today, I'm going to finish that chapter. So as we continue... What I introduced last time I was here was what happened in the beginning and that our parents disobeyed God in the realm of his grace. And thus I concluded by stating and confirming no mere man since the fall is able in this life to perfectly keep the commandments of God, but he will, he has, and will always disobey them in thought, word, and deed. In fact, I concluded the lesson with the edicts that God proved on every individual, man, woman, and beast. And the stiffest curse was bestowed upon man, for he was, and truly was stated upon him, was responsibility that was not kept. The Lord said to Adam, Cursed is the ground because of you, and in you will eat all the days of your life. Verse 18 of chapter three and Genesis continues and states both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you and you'll eat the plants of the fields and then by verse 19 by the sweat of your face you will eat bread till you return to the ground because from it you are taken for you are dust and to dust you shall return this conveys and it should be a front to everyone here that it was conditioned for Adam now that everything he does Everything he creates and everything he touches, by the curse of God, it dies. So, how do we segue now into how this ties to Adam's posterity? Adam, first, was the first fruits of mankind, being mankind's representative. Genesis 2, 7, then the Lord said, Oh, sorry. Apologize. The Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. From man came woman. Genesis two twenty one. So the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon man, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib from which he had taken from man, and brought her to the man. To show the harmony from the old to the new. We will now look at 1 Corinthians fifteen forty-five through 49 But I will paraphrase and put in your uh, eyes and thought process in this. So it was also written, the first man, Adam, became a living soul. The first man is from earth. And as the earthly, so also are those who are earthly. And just as we are born of the image of the earthly. If that's the case it is that is so I pose you this question then if Adam was given the command from God and he and his right disobey by eating from the very tree which he was commanded he should not eat does God condemn men who does not eat from the tree why yes because and being so and like I stated before and everything that Adam creates everything Adam touches and everything Adam does dies it is too that also the courage shall fall on his posterity. And I brought you the note. When we were in the last session, or I'm uh, sorry, the last lesson, you understood the command, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and so do it. It was not abrogated when God provided his edicts. I bring to you Genesis 3.16. He said to the woman, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth and in pain you will bring forth children. So the command was still to bring forth children. And now note the Psalms as the conditions of what transpired with sin condition Adam's posterity. He states in Psalm 51 verse three, for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Now then by note five, he states, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin, my mother conceived me. Well, let's tie the old and show it with harmony going into the new. How can Paul then state in 1 Corinthians chapter 15? I bring your attention a little bit before in the chapter, but verses 21 and 22. For since by a man came death, it is now, it is shown or sown a perishable body, a, a body that was sown in dishonor and sown in weakness In conclusion For all as in an Adam, they all died. So, someone can say to me, okay, Pastor, I know that Adam is our federal head and the curse fell on mankind, but I don't know if this still addressed that I did not violate the command not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. See, Adam was given and understood the punishment upon the conditions of disobedience, so, in fact, I should be safe. Oh, mon frere. Well, he may respond back and say, Well, I never hurt anyone. I did not disobey my superiors. How is it so that God can still condemn me? But then I say, Oh, touche. Because then by your own very response, how did you know you, not, you have not hurt anyone? Or how do you know you've always been obedient? I give you this question. Did God tell Cain, thou shalt not kill, and yet Cain killed Abel? How about this one? And likewise, when God provided the curse onto Cain, Cain goes on to state in Genesis 4, 14, behold, you have driven me this day from the face of the ground, and from your face I will be hidden. I will be a vagrant and a wanderer on earth. Whoever finds me, will kill me. Hmm. But if you read the conditions and statements provided in the narrative of Genesis 4, we do not see the law that states, thou shalt not kill. So, if this is the case, here is the conditions on which what I was trying to convey with the introductory lesson and the second lesson in the general makeup of what Adam was creating, you've got to remember, he was born in the image of God. Genesis 1.26, let us make man in our image and according to our likeness. And in the conditions in which Adam resided in the state of grace, he was obedient until the fall. And in given the conditions of the commands that God gave him, note, he lived and continued to live until he violated the law. So Adam did not see or understood or in the preference of seeing the law that it was a bad thing. It was good. Remember, the tree of life was also in the garden, and he ate from there. He was not forbidden to eat from that tree. so he continued to live. But it was upon the condition of disobedience, it was at which the law became known to him as what is sinful and what is not. Now, I want to condition my statement by expanding on it even further. And why I say that is because not to sort of so confuse or muddy the waters. What I'm saying is if God had gave the command to eat from any tree that was in the garden and not said anything to Adam about not violating any tree from not eating from. So, in a sense, the knowledge of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil would have been a valid tree to eat from because God did not command not to eat from it. He had to make the command in order for Adam to understand what was intended for him to do. But the conditions upon that disobedience, and this is the reason why I say again, the conditions upon that disobedience. Did his eyes then become open? And just on the precedent that it was the actual tree of the knowledge of good and evil that God said, do not eat from, that comes from a ramification of the disobedience. So you see, the fact that he ate from the tree, violation number one what did the tree then possess was a sense that adam felt he now had autonomy to know what was good and what was evil and so when the psalm says states and i bring your attention back to psalm 51 verse 4 against you and you only have i sinned and done what is evil in your sight It is a condition upon which when Adam disobeyed God, everything changed, including his conscience and the understanding that being made in the image of God, the law was written on his heart. And upon the condition of obedience, he didn't see it as an issue for obeying. I mean, did he know death until he disobeyed? You see, this is why, and I'm going to bring your attention to this. Romans 2, 12, 14 through 15. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. For those who have sinned under the law will be judged under the law. I want to bring to your attention that no one is without excuse, even though you may have stated I, quote unquote, didn't do this and I, quote unquote, didn't do that. Many people like to bring this argument forward, but they lose the fact that they are tied to Adam by him being our representative in the garden. And so is which if there's a tribe somewhere in a different country. It may be that they are practicing a sense of just morals. But how do you know the morals are just? By what basis? What is what revealed to you to say that what you're doing is right and what you're doing is wrong? It continues to go on further. Right, Verse 13 for it is not the hearers of the law who are just before God but the doers of the law will also be justified well if it's the if that is the case and in adam hearing the law did he do and as we notice through the narrative in genesis 3 did he do what god was commanding he heard the law he knew the law but did he do it? Now, by verse 14, huh, for when the Gentiles who do not have the law do extinctfully the things of the law, these not having the law are a law unto themselves. And this is the reason why I went back to Genesis 1, 26 through 28. So you understand the conditions at which man is under. And then to tie it back to our parents in the disobedience. Some people just concern the fact that it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil was not a bad tree. It's not the tree that was the issue. It was the disobedience. That was the issue. Fifth, verse 15 then goes on to state in that they showed the work of the law written in their hearts and their conscience is now bearing witness and their thoughts are alternatively accusing or else defending them. This is the reason why men are condemned. They have the law written on their hearts and it was from the beginning. But what happened? When Adam disobeyed the law in the eyes of mankind, no longer looked holy and righteous and good. Now, let me bring this all to tie even further. And by the words of our own master, note this particular discourse he has with the lawyer. Follow me here. Matthew 19, 16 to 23. And someone came to him and said, Teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may obtain eternal life? So he understands what transpired in the garden. He understands that Adam was banished and he could not no longer live forever in the conditions that God had made for him. So Jesus said to him, why are you asking me about what is good? There is only one who is good. But if you wish to enter life, then keep the commandments. Do what Adam couldn't do. And that was obey. Now note what the man says back to the Messiah. Which ones? So the Messiah recites the second tablet of the law. The young man responds back to the Messiah in verse 20. All of these things I kept, why am I still lacking? Oh, the conjury. There's the conjury. By his own works, by his own thought of autonomy, I know what is wise and what is good. I can see I have done everything but yet by his own revelation, his question, he says, I am still lacking and I know I'm going to die in this estate. So the Messiah responds back, if you wish to be complete, then so for you, I'm going to go down the same route you're saying here. If you wish to be complete, why then now? Go and sell your possessions, give to the poor, and you have treasures on earth. And the condition, come and follow me. <laughs> well, what does verse 22 state? When the young man had heard this statement, he went away grieving. He said you obeyed and you kept all the laws. But then all of a sudden, the Messiah gives you a commandment to go and continue the obedience. You said you are obedient. You conveyed it by your own words. And the words and the commands I gave you, you said you kept them. And here I'm giving you a command, and yet you go away grieving. So much for your obedience. So much for your tests. You see, ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) the conditions I'm giving to you here and how it ties into Adam's posterity is that men, in their own wisdom, just like their parents, thinking when they ate from that tree, they'll know better than God. The truth is you don't. You do not. And you know what's interesting is even in the lack of our wisdom, we could not see the wisdom of God in that whole work. But how can we now say, how can we now condition that people are to obey well the hope was not lost because you see when the Lord provided his will I bring to you Romans seven twelve. it was an understanding that his law is holy that was the intention that his commandment is holy and that righteousness was good I want to even go by a further proof of this. The schemes I gave you with the workings of the garden in Genesis 2. It was a show that he wanted to keep man upright. I mean, in fact, I'll give you this. Genesis 3, 7. In Adam's wisdom, when his eyes was opened and he saw the shame in his nakedness, he and Eve sold fig trees together to make for themselves loin coverings. But what does God do? in redeeming them. Genesis 3:21 The Lord made garments for skins for Adam and his wife and he properly clothed them. Again, I'm going to furnish more proof with the revealing of the moral law. Yes, we had condemnation and it's deserved, but it wasn't the end because the revelation made by the moral law now having it Knowledge of good and evil is no longer should be under our purview It should be on what God revealed for us to be proper He finds what's good. He finds what is evil Romans seven thirteen. rather it was sin in order that it may be shown to be sin By affecting my death through which is good so that through the commandment sin Would become utterly Sinful. The moral law shows contentment. First uh, John five, verse three. The moral law shows love. Romans thirteen ten. The moral law shows truth. Psalms one hundred nineteen, one hundred forty two. The moral law has purity and it has perfection. Psalms 19, 7 through 9. I apologize for not reading it. It's just my time is cut short. But if you note in all the adjectives and adverbs I just gave you, the moral law points you back to Christ. Luke 24, 44. Now he said, These are my words, which I have spoken to you while I was still with you, that all the things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets in the Psalms must be fulfilled. So to close the chapter on obedience and the doctrine of the moral law, I bring you back that question. Again, can mere man do what is required of God? So we should know the answer. No. But I was not going to leave you alone with that question. But because of Christ, by his life and his humiliation and exaltation and becoming the fulfillment of the law, man can obey. Romans 5, 19, for as through one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of one, the many will be made righteous. So now laying the groundwork, I hope you have a newfound appreciation of the law of God. And as we continue further in the lessons with the pastors, I want you to also consider how this mindset, this attitude that I'm trying to install should open your eyes and gaze as we go further and further into the doctrine of the law.